Showdown special bonus content. Yeah, bonus content. But you don't bonus have to. Up. You don't have to pay for this bonus content. You don't. It's I not mean, on. You it's could. Not, it's yeah. Hey, you, I mean, we got a. I mean, we both have Venmo. If you feel <laughs> like Venmo, what a way to start. Hey, <laughs> welcome to the show. If you want to pay us yeah. money, great. I mean, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to say you shouldn't. Nor am I. I'm if not going to say you should either. It's 2021. It's 2021. If you got that stimmy check burn a hole in your pocket, hey. I mean, daddy needs a new sound mixer. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to need to get some computer repairs done. Sure. Why not? You know, you don't need to donate to those African children who who need food, shelter. I don't know if we need to actively alienate alienate people. Uh, No, I I remember that was a big, that was a big thing. I remember as a kid we had, yeah, we had, uh, um, we had sponsored like a few of those uh, kids and like, we got like a couple letters from them and it was, it was really nice. Well, it that's makes actually feel really good. Yeah, I heard there's cool. actual... Produ- See, this is what I want to donate to. I heard there's like any find... Next podcast will actually mention the organization just so we'll feel better about oh, ourselves. Gosh, yeah, but we should. I know there's organizations where you can buy like a goat for a village and it's just like that's way more productive than just yeah. throwing like money at something. I think, yeah, I think know? they've they've backed off the kind of like macro one size fits all like throw your money at us routine and now they're like okay For only 1999 yeah. per month that's all this family save. needs to yeah. yeah they've broken it down i think uh but yeah it makes you feel good and it's uh you know it's a way to try to even things out in the world a little bit. I was before we got on this whole thing i was going to make a joke about how these bonus episodes aren't on patreon yet I know it could be as like a thinly veiled threat to the, to the listener. Uh, no, they won't be, they won't be. Um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, this is a special bonus episode. Um, but wait, the last episode that we did for bonus for or bonus or just overall, tenet. well, before well, national treasure, uh, oh, yeah. was tenant and, uh, we're visiting the same boy. Yeah. Cause we, we, we kind of wanted to do, you know, an episode every time a previous director came out with a new film. We haven't been terribly consistent, but that's all right. I mean, yeah. there's some films out there that we are we were simply just not interested in watching. I'm looking at you, f- last first first last flag. 
first flag. La, 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 flag first stay. flag, last flag, baby. Uh, yeah, last flag <laughs> flying. Uh, there, there were others. I know there were others. There were uh, shit. We did. It's wild though because we did uh, all ten fucking episodes of oh, wow. uh, Rifen's like. Yeah, the uh, two two. Too old to, to too die, old to die young. young. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did. Tarantino. But that one was just like a fucking fascinating series. Yeah. That's still like kind of creeps in my mind sometimes. Yeah. Because of sure. how insane it is. It but, is really. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, we should just like maybe clarify now. I, I feel like it's an unspoken thing. You and I haven't really like discussed this much, but like. It's like if something deems conversation is some, if something is like interesting, has like artistic merit or like is just weird enough, like Rifen's thing, uh, then we'll talk about it. Yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, man, poor Linklater. I think he's had like a couple projects well, since we finished with it's him. just like his stuff or is, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's a ton to dive into there. I really don't even know, honestly. Yeah. Last Flag Flying I heard was okay. He has a movie with Kate Blanchett that I heard she was good in when she bad, never. Uh, but that I heard the movie's not very good. It's like, what? where do you go, Bernadette or something? Oh, like yeah. That? Something yeah, like that. Yeah. It's like, don't you just hate when movies do that, when there's that great, like, you know that actor's going to kill it, and they do, and then it's just, yeah. like, a subpar, like... The movie's plot. not great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, what are there some other examples it's like, of that? It's like going to see your friend's film, <laughs> and you know that, you know, you're going to love, you're going to love what they're doing. Yeah. Even yeah. though the actual thing of itself is just probably not... You know, it's it's probably not the most mind blowing thing. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it's like when your friend gets cast in like a play or something. Oh yeah, and then you go see it, and the play is kind of it's like a, it's a shoddy version of Oklahoma, mm. but like your friend is is really killing it. Um, that's kind of yeah, that's kind of the vibe I, I get from his his recent movies. Well, I'm sure he'll have something that like God, what's Linklater doing now? He's doing something interesting. I can't remember what it is. You mean um, eating pizza in Austin, Texas? And talking about movies. Well, doing Zoom calls, eating pizza, I, I, imagine, I imagine is what he's yeah. doing. Uh, but no, yeah, is it like I was going to say, we're back in uh, season seven? I think it was seven. No, I think it was six, actually, uh, that we did um, Nolan and Fincher. And we're right back there with them again. And... Uh, yeah, they both had new releases this year. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny that we're doing a back-to-back -back sort of Yeah, it's thing. like a, a pivot back into a prior season with a little break in the middle to talk some NT. Mm. Uh, but uh, How could you not? How could you not? 100 episode, centennial episode. Um, but uh, no, yeah, so it's, it's pretty exciting that I, I wanted to cover this kind of period real quick of... Uh, what Fincher's kind of been up to because it's, it's a really like time of the sign, Jesus Christ, signs of the times, uh, scenario with him where he's like this guy who likes to have, you know, not, not a big budget, but he likes to have like a decent sized budget for his movies. Um, a bigger budget than most movies that aren't trying to be like a blockbuster. Well, well first let's start off here, Brent. Okay. Before, I, before we, 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 we're off to the races. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, what was the year of 
David Fincher's last feature film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 2014. 2014. What is the year that the Mink came out? 2020. 2020. <laughs> That's he's on some Kubrick shit. My, my math is correct. <laughs> yeah. That's six years. Yeah. Um, That's pretty crazy. crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, and what was he doing in those six years before he finally came out with Mank? So, yeah, this is kind of what I wanted to cover. This is like, I, I have his Wikipedia of his career open here. and o- Only uh, the finest <laughs> research here at Director's Oh, it's, yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, the insider look. Yeah. <laughs> You uh, won't hear this. <laughs> you can't find this anywhere else, guys. Listen, these details, this tea we're about to spill here, you can't find it anywhere else. So per his Wikipedia, uh, yeah, so after Gone Girl, he starts uh, developing, it looks like pretty much right after Gone Girls, when he kind of gets into Mind Hunter, starts developing that. Uh, he already has, you know, which will lead up to Mank, he already has a working relationship with uh, Netflix. He got in early with them. He directed and kind of set the entire visual style of house of cards. Um, he directed like a number of those episodes. I want to say directed like five or six of those. Um, and his work on that show is like the, all the best episodes are like Fincher episodes. Uh, but yeah, so it seems like after gone girl, he went back to Netflix and was like, Hey, so like, let's keep working together. You guys will let me have a bigger budget. If I, if it has to be TV, like let's do it. And you let me do whatever I want. Yeah, pretty much. Um, which is like Netflix, like (laughs) it is pretty much. Yeah. And so it seems like they team up with him pretty early. They start working on Mindhunter. Fincher directs, I think half of the first season of that show, it's a great show. Season one is really good. Season two is like incredible. And now it's just on a indefinite hiatus, uh, which is what he said a couple of months ago. He was just like, yeah, I don't know like when we're going to be able to get back to it. They didn't like how expensive it was and how few viewers it had. So I, I guess it didn't totally justify how expensive it was, which is a shame because it's a great show, I think. Um but uh, yeah, so he's do, he's directing like Mindhunter. He's like comfortable in that zone. Then I don't know if you remember this hmm. 2017. He gets signed to a little sequel called World War Z. I remember that. Yeah, I remember. I remember being excited. Me I too. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think I was maybe maybe just with a tinge of apprehension, honestly, because. <laughs> I mean, I didn't hate the first World War Z. No, I I remember it's just liking kind of it. Forgettable. That's all. Yeah, it is. And, and that movie yeah. really reeked of uh, intervention and reshoots. Was like kind of my biggest takeaway after after it. I was like, huh, that really seemed cobbled together. But I think ultimately they did probably make it better than what it was before. Um, and what, what it seems to me like that was, was probably Brad Pitt reaching out to Fincher and being like, Hey man, like I know you're working in like, you know, mind Hunter. I almost said Minecraft. Jesus Christ. That'd be (laughs) something I'd see. Um, like you're, you're with Netflix. You're like filming this TV stuff. It's awesome. But like, if you like do this, if you do this fucking zombie sequel, this world war Z two. Uh, then that'll, you know, that can like guarantee you like the next 
phase of your career. It's like that can be a, a, a quote unquote blank check for you to to kind of like get confidence, get funding, get like support behind um, what you actually want to do. Because I'm sure. I'm sure you don't want to make a fucking like world war Z sequel. Like who would want to do that? This is all like, I'm in characters, Brad Pitt right now. Uh, but it, it really feels that way. Cause at that point it was still three years since he did, did you read Girl. the book world war Z. No, but it's, it's not at all that. Right. Did you read it? I read like half of it. Okay. And uh, it's not it, at it, all it, what they did. Right. Well, compared, what happened is that World War Z is a book that just talks about like various like international events, like when the zombie apocalypse happens. And I don't recall there being a Brad Pitt type character. And I think they just put him in there as like some sort of like, Mm -hmm. like through line. So you could have a movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're just like following. But I mean, like there was some like, like it, it was broadly similar. Yeah, know? it seems from what I read about the book, it seemed like the book was more like, is almost it, the is premise it, of like a reporter, like it was taking like a people's political stories. Thing, really? Yeah. 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 It was interesting. And in yeah. World War Z is just like an adventure movie where a guy's trying to, I don't know. I don't really remember hardly anything from it, actually, I guess. I remember, I remember all those zombies going up the the yeah. wall of uh, some CG Israel. that I'm sure hasn't aged yeah. spectacularly. Yeah. Um, Do you think that was like a symbol for Palestinians trying to get in? Boy, in it could have been. Is, Wasn't it in that region? It was definitely like in yeah. The it, was, East, it, right? it was. It was in Israel, and you know how like in Jerusalem they have the wall. Yeah. That keeps Man. out like the Palestinians. A real like, and, like <laughs> precursor to to Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Really, our our very angry viewers uh, who all hate that movie definitely know what I'm talking about. I I don't even I don't even I haven't watched it, so yeah, I don't even know. I, I don't know. There's a whole like little thirty minute chunk of that movie that's like, huh? We're just doing like an Israel Palestine thing now that, oh really yeah, yeah it's weird it's it's very awkwardly placed but and she's um, israeli isn't she she is and people have thoughts <laughs> is, is, is the israelis the good guys here or something no it's kind of, i don't even know if i want to tr- tread into this because i my my understanding <laughs> of that whole thing overall is very very limited uh but it's just interesting that it wades into that for a big blockbuster movie uh it's no especially Munich. for oh okay well <laughs> See, that's the thing is like, I I feel like when you're dealing with superheroes, you got kind of, especially someone so innocuous (laughs) as Wonder Woman, you kind of like had to stay away from things like that. For sure. Maybe maybe just, yeah, maybe just like excise that from, uh, from the movie. Maybe it didn't even need it. Um, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, (laughs) but, uh, no. Yeah. So world war Z two, he kind of gets brought in on. And I remember being like, even at the time, this was three, I guess, four years ago now, uh, just being like, finally, he's like lining up something else. Like he hasn't done anything. He hasn't announced what he's doing next. Even like a guy like Tarantino or definitely Nolan are guys like, where after a couple years of what they, you know, of but since their last movie, they're going to at least announce what's next. You know, it's like, when did, uh, hateful eight come out? 2016. 
Was it 2016? The, I, that sounds right. Man. I think so. And then it must have been. I remember huh? like late 2017, early 2018. It was like, okay, I've got the next thing. It's going to be like a Hollywood thing. Hmm. And uh, just been following that all the way through. But um, uh, yeah. And so I remember being excited for that. Heard just nothing about it. Eventually it just crumbled. You know, he left the project. I was like, surprise, surprise. How many fucking projects has he I left? I think we all like felt like it was yeah i'm always just like when i hear rumors like that like let me see photos it's like also i'm looking at my watch yeah i'm looking at my watch and we'll fucking we'll see how long this lasts yeah exactly it's just it's it's unreliable Mm -hmm. to have it's just fun little gossip that doesn't really matter it's like whenever you see those headlines that say in talks i'm like (laughs) well I don't. Where's, yeah, where's okay. the yeah? In talk, well, that doesn't mean shit. They're talking about shit. Who yeah. cares? It doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how far it got. I don't know if it did get past in talks or or what it was. But yeah, Fincher what was even in talks means. What does that mean? Like I, I go, I go yeah. to the studio and then we talk about it. It seems <laughs> like in talks. It depends on what studio I think because I think with like Marvel. The majority of the time when you hear in talks, it is like, okay, well, you can fucking sign You can sign it. You can fucking put it on the dotted line. That's going to happen. Well, who's talking? Who are these people who are in talks? Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 uh, the more I think about yeah. it, the more insane it, it, it I know it's all sounding. press shit. It's all yeah. press shit to avoid. It's like you get two. Uh, sources, right? Which I, th- I yeah. think most most uh, articles and most uh, you know blogs and stuff require three sources, is what I've read, like film blogs and stuff. Um, and I think it's just an, an easy out. It's like a way for them to be like, well, we didn't fully know. It was like th- we had our three like sources. People are talking about it. Exactly. People are talking. About it. And it's like, so it's like it's Benedict like, Cumberbatch is yeah. in talks to play Doctor Strange. Because I think saying in talks just means. It's like a, a a more official way of saying this is a rumor. I think so. Without saying it's a rumor. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a little more evidence for in talks. It's the one that gives me pause. Speaking of Dr. Strange is uh, when uh, Joaquin Phoenix was like in talks to be Dr. Strange. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Remember. It was exciting. That's Cause I was like, Whoa, way that is- better than, you know, he could have gotten a, an Academy award for Dr. Strange instead. Huh? He would have been good. I think he would have been, he wouldn't have had to fake his American accent. That's all I'll say. Uh, I like Cumberbatch is fine in those movies. Um, I, like, I like his, I like his weird, his weird American voice. As this Dr. this is how I talk. I am clearly American and I'm a, I, it's kind <laughs> of like a doctor house thing. Yeah. Well, dude, his, you I know? think his is pretty impeccable. Yeah, that guy I thought was American for sure, which if we have any British listeners will try to kill me because he's clearly a famous British comedian. Hmm. Um, but, uh, I thought he was American until, I don't know, man, like Tomorrowland when he was in Tomorrowland. And I was like, is this guy not American? And he's not, um, but yeah. And then the, then the Joaquin Phoenix thing fell through and I was like, oh, okay. So in talks can be a little more flexible than mm. I'm imagining it, I guess. Um, all that to say, World War Z2. Will it I ever mean, get I mean, made? I mean, I can't imagine it know. will. 
Zombies were a a thing of the, you know yeah. you know when we're gonna have when when we have twenty tens parties like when that's a thing it's gonna be it's gonna be a zombie dead. it's gonna be it's, zombie stuff man yeah it, it's so funny to think about that a twenty tens party remember when zombies was like a big thing yeah it's gonna be all <laughs> it's gonna be Marvel and zombies like that's that's gonna or be the Marvel two zombies hey Marvel zombies thing. yeah bring them back. Put them in the movies. Unless Marvel just keeps going ad infinitum, though. Yeah. That's true. Well, they're going to try everything by the time we're dead and they're still making Marvel projects, which they will be. Mm. Um, yeah, Jesus. Marvel Marvel and zombies. Twenty. You know what? When you know COVID's what? done, I'm putting this on the books. We're going to have a 2010 party <laughs> at one of our houses, and uh, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still waiting for the 2000s party. Yeah, because that one that one's a lot of fun. Where you have the Guy Fieri, you have the Guy Fieri stuff. Um, you have the the Jinko jeans. Oh, are, are Jinkos early two thousands? Fuck yeah, they are, dude. You I get some those like uh, uh, what Skechers? I mean the George Bush jokes. Oh yeah, got a nice strategery. Remember that Strategery. Will Ferrell? Will Ferrell? Oh, man, man, what, what remember George about? Bush? Remember Will Ferrell? Remember we were talking about Will Ferrell? Oh yeah, yeah we were talking about him while we were watching the Steelers game. The Steelers, That's right? Uh, Roethlisberger. Oh, he's football, a real football yeah. Will Ferrell. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, listener, look him up with a helmet on. Make sure he has no facial hair. Yep. He looks like Will Ferrell. It's really that's, weird. That's Will Ferrell. It's the, yeah. it's it's like there's a uh, a a triad of Will Ferrell lookalikes because there's also that drummer. Chad something. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's that whole no. back and forth that Will Ferrell and well, now I just sound like I'm just completely out of the loop because I don't know the guy's name. They've like made appearances together on talk shows and like Will Ferrell has played the drums and that drummer has like acted like Will Ferrell and shit. It's Chad something. I don't know. You guys, that's so weird. It is super weird. So uh, a lot of people just look like Will Ferrell, I guess, which kind of husky, middle-aged white guy i mean he does kind of yeah i mean he does kind of look like just i'm gonna look like will ferrell in 10 years are you kidding me maybe maybe yeah maybe hopefully not no that's not a dig at will ferrell will ferrell i love you but you know i mean he's not like he's not a hot guy i mean it's all right you know he's not like the hottest guy guy in existence he's not bad looking yeah he's not hot guys who else are you gonna come to for your will ferrell (laughs) just had to, I yeah, had to, yeah, I had to do it. I mean, the, look, look guys, <laughs> look, look, I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not condoning anything. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not going to lose an arm or a leg. Oh, for rumors. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> Lord. Good Lord. There oh, it is. No. Um, 20 minutes in. Listen, we didn't even say the name of the movie. Listen, guys, we're talking Mank. Yeah. Doing Mank. Doing Mank. Um, You got to give him your signature Mank. Mank! (laughs) A lot of of people yelling Mank in this movie. Yeah, you just got to yell Mank. You got to yell Mank. Everybody, listen, wherever you're at right now, I don't fucking care where you're at. You could be at church. I don't know why you're listening to a podcast in church. You could be shopping at HEB or just at home. Like you hopefully are just yell mank. Get one loud fucking just mank. 
Just one mink. Just, just one get, big loud mink. Mink. There it is. See, you get, I, I think everyone has their own mink. You know, everyone's got their. Everyone's own got. Mink. Everyone's got their own mink. Yeah, that's and, true. And there's no right way of saying mink. Yeah. You you use belchy. It comes from the you know. Yeah. Comes from, from the, your soul, really. From your soul. Listen, people. I mean, you got fingerprints. You got eye patterns. What else is unique? You each individual. <laughs> Why can I, why can I only think of two things that are unique to each human being? You got you know, you, 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 DNA. Yeah, there's a genetic <laughs> sequence that says how how do you say mank? It just it's, spells out mank. It's just it's ba- it's baffled scientists for yeah. decades because they found it in like the 70s. Mm. And it's just, it's spelled out mank, which isn't even in the genetic code. Those Yeah, letters. I don't think there's an M in there. <laughs> or an N. Or a, or a K. K. There is an A. There is an A. So that's part of it, but it's just a whole new speech. I'm getting to in the weeds now. Yell <laughs> mank and get it out of your system. Um, and yeah, so after after six years, David Fincher, my, my only guess, I haven't read about this much, but my only theory about what happened is he has this, this good deal, this good relationship with Netflix. He's uh, helped kickstart one very successful show, one that people really love, but I guess isn't successful enough to Netflix to keep. Well, around. he already has a great like mm-hmm. history. Yeah, I and mean, just a good track record. Yeah, great, yeah. good track record. Gone so. Girl made three hundred forty million dollars on a sixty million dollar budget. Is that which crazy? Is, that is crazy. That's wild. For it's a good movie. Yeah, it's great. Listen yeah, it's, to our episode on Gone Girl. Yeah, where we David, had David. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so. So yeah, it's like he wanted to make Mank for the longest time, right? He, yeah, his, he dad. his dad had written the screenplay for Mank in the way 90s. Ba- yeah, way mm-hmm. back in the 90s. And his father unfortunately passed away um, I think 03. 03, yeah, and he David Fincher was insistent that Mank would be his next project. Yeah, throughout um, the nineties, really, I think. He he was even yeah. in the nineties he wanted to get it made, but I think after his dad passed even more so But nobody wanted to fund it because he was insistent on it being black and white, right? Was was that the Oh that's it that I feel like I read that, that. was the yeah. rationale behind it. And he wouldn't he wouldn't give that up. And I, I totally agree with him. It, I don't think this movie would work as well if it wasn't in black and white. Yeah, for sure. It I, places you into that kind of uh, schema of uh, Citizen Kane. Yeah, it's, it would be hard to to kind of put yourself in the Citizen Kane shoes because you need yeah. that sort of comparison to it. For sure. Well, and it's a it's. I'm going to use the same word because I like that word. A schema that we are like entrenched in right now with this season is like uh, it. I mean, Mank just fits right there aesthetically in in some ways to fucking uh not like seven samurai but like uh uh, i mean yeah they're black and white you know yeah brief encounter it's like yeah it's like he he really tried to make it of the era he even uh has like the cigarette burns in the court you caught that right in the the upper right yeah i was i was like what (laughs) yeah like he he really went the distance to and i think what he said is like was it still digitally filmed though I th- I'm sure it was. Yeah, That's he only does so digital. Yeah, interesting because yeah. Fincher is such a he's so into digital film. Yeah, 
that it's interesting that he would do like, you know, it's digital gets, uh, I feel like, I don't know if a bad rap anymore, but I, I think the thing about digital, which is why perfectionists like, uh, Fincher love it is that like with digital, you get so much control. And I think that, uh, you know, when, when he made his decision to make the movie in black and white, um, somebody knocking at the door, kind of weird. Um, I think he, uh, oh, I gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is why Fincher to me likes digital so much is because he's a guy who really likes to control every facet of, you know, from the edit to the, uh, you know, just mm. the cinematography to the color grading, like yeah. all like I'd say up to this movie, all of his movies have an aesthetic to it. And like you that's and I have so, watched. It's yeah. so interesting that you, you have you say that. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating. I don't think it's wrong. I think that's a fascinating concept that okay, you brought yeah. up, though, because if, if Fincher is such a perfectionist. Mm hmm. And with what our analysis had claimed of him saying that he does not believe in auteur theory mm-hmm. and how it, it it's all a big project between people. Yeah. And it's like, where do you, how do you be a, this is like almost like a philosophical thing with directing. Yeah. It's like, how do you be a perfectionist while also not being an auteur? Yeah, I it's listen, I'm glad you asked that, Adam, because I, I have some quotes from yeah, yeah, a yeah. recent Atlantic interview with him uh, where there's just, there's a lot of good shit in here. But he talks about uh, I wonder if I can cut this down. We'll spit. We'll, we recently just spoke about chromosomes. So I'll talk about that again. Uh, he talks about it here. The relationship between author and auteur fascinates Fincher together. These two artists from the chromosomal lineage of a film. Oh, Jesus Christ. I already fucked up. These two artists, he's talking about Mank and Orson Welles form the chromosomal lineage of a film because you need 23 chromosomes from the writer and 23 chromosomes. So from they're the fucking. Yeah. Well, and, I'm halfway through it here, but he recognizes that films are the result of bigger collaborations. The thing that makes a movie, the thing that makes a movie is very intimate conversations between actor and director, director of photography and director, director of photography and actor, camera operator and actor. So he just like really trusts in the relationships and conversations of all the professionals that he's hired. It's almost like a Tarantino thing where he's like, I, I realized that if I hire the best people that I don't need to worry as much you know? about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because being a director is, uh, yeah, there's that creative aspect of it, but it's a managerial position. Yeah. It's like, I forgot who said it, but it's, uh, you say yes and no a thousand times a day. Yeah. Right. Isn't that what some, some famous director said that I feel, um, I wish I could just do that. <laughs> just say yes or no. Like yeah, this thing's pretty easy. And the thing is, it takes a great director to be like Fincher who has like, who sees it in his mind, you know, or sees it in the prep work, sees it in the script. I will say that all of his scripts are usually really, really tight. And this movie is like the ultimate. Lots of sex things going on here. Huh? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, because like the 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 screenwriter is is the female and the director is the the male. And oh, I gotcha. Wow, you took it in a totally different direction than I meant to. Well, that's what you said. The chromosomes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the writer sense. and director. I gotcha. The, I gotcha. It is a. Uh, it is. It is exactly that. You know, like the yeah. the writer is the egg, and the director molds. Once that egg is sprouted, he molds it. That is true. That is very true. I want to continue with uh, what Fincher was saying. Uh, Fincher is happy to puncture the concept of the omnipotent auteur while acknowledging that a director will always be at the nexus of every artistic choice being made on set. The per- and this is what he says. The person standing in the middle of all these decisions in some way puts their fingerprint on everything. If you think that you can direct a movie and not in some way show your hand as to who you are, you're nuts. See, I'm glad he said that. Yeah, because from I, I think he had his opinion has um, evolved then. Because from I what so I too. recall, yeah. he just never believed in auteur theory. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like I remember on a prior prior podcast we it, we were saying how like you couldn't like it was impossible. You knew that that was Fincher, a Fincher film. Mm-hmm. It was impossible not to see you get like, you see the patterns, like you might not be able to say it explicitly. Yeah. You might come up with all sorts of reasons, like the, the lighting or digital, but you could just feel the mm-hmm. Fincher touch to it. Yeah. You know, just like Nolan or like anybody, you, you know, you have that sort of taste. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's yeah. He has he has a whole it's like, it's style. Like a, go, go go back to the restaurant thing. You know, you might not have <laughs> yeah, yeah. the same chef over and over again, but you're going to the yeah. You're going you're going to a restaurant. They might change out their chef and their management. Mm-hmm. They might change out the staff every once in a while. You know, yeah, mix it up. Yeah. But it's it's always going to taste you know just about the same as you exactly. Even though it's a new dish, mm-hmm. it's going to taste like you know you, you know you what trust to you trust the chefs that are making it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've been here before. Yeah. It's uh yeah, and I, I was gonna say this at the beginning because we were talking about his big gap between movies, but like Fincher really is starting to really feel more like a Kubrick than really any modern day comparison to me. Like because he he'll have a big gap between his movies. He is a you know, uh he is a perfectionist and he's not really like apologizing for it. He's like, I wish I, I wish I saved the quote, but he's like, like, listen, like I, I know what I want and that's why I'm going to do 14 takes instead of seven. It's like, I, I know that like, yeah, we're going to end up can slicing see the, he can yeah. see what he wants in his head, which is such like a, mm-hmm. it's such a hard thing to have. Yeah. You know, that's and why he, Paul, like people like Paul Feig, aren't good directors because <laughs> I, this is a good point. Really. Yeah. 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 It's because they don't see what they're looking for. They just sit the camera down mm-hmm. and let things happen. That's not being a director. That's being a, a passive. Yeah. I don't know. That's not being anything. Mm-hmm. You're just letting things happen. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you might as well be a cameraman. Mm-hmm. Fincher has, Fincher has that sort of where, where he, he can, he knows what the painting looks like in his yeah. mind and mm-hmm. will do whatever it takes to get to that point, which is an amazing talent. For sure. I mean, he, and he talks about too, I don't think it was one of the ones I saved here, but, uh, 
about like how how the process is is messy where it's like in the in the editing bay you'll cut uh you'll what how does he say maybe i can find it it's like you'll you'll use like three different takes or yeah like three different takes of the same scene because the the actor's performance is shifting in each one of those takes and it's like you and i have like like uh, a, a somewhat like entry level uh eye into how that works where it's like sometimes you have to chop around yeah you use the like, performance yeah. and uh you know because you'll you'll film like a multiple lines of dialogue in one take and it's cutting back to the other person, but then you're going to use like two thirds of the, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. And he talks about that a lot too, about how that like really messes up like a puzzle, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see in this interview, he talks about Mank, talks about Mank, Mank. Um, oh yeah, this is kind of a cool thing. Uh, so he's talking about Chinatown when he says this opening quote here, but this is talking about kind of like the, the change in, you know, budget sizes and who gets to make what and, and things like that. Uh, you can't put a value on the culture that Chinatown inspired at the same time. He doesn't think art is at odds with commercial appeal. I don't make movies in spite of the people paying for it. I make it in conjunction with them. My hope. Wow. Yeah. He sounds different. I think so. I think, and it's interesting because he started as a commercial director. And he fucking hated it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he like, I mean, we we're th- talking about like what he said on Fight Club mm-hmm. was like, I fucking wanted to, you know, I didn't like, I don't like commercialism in my <laughs> films, but it was a means to get like your art done. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like the, you know, how he's changing a bit. Yeah, for sure. And it, and you've got to imagine that some of that, call it growth, call it change, whatever, but like comes after you have kind of a six year drought of directing mm. movies when the whole kind of industry, the whole entertainment industry is kind of shifting and changing. And in the same interview talks about that thing that people talk about a lot where like the middle is just completely just like cut out and you just have big and, and small. And he's like, I, you know what I, the movies that I make, I kind of need to spend a little more cause I'm going to have more takes and, um, I'm going to be a perfectionist about it. And, uh, and he's kind of more able to even do that with TV now, but, uh, he was able to do that for, for Mank. Thankfully, I think Mank only costs like 40 million. I mean, it didn't which, look that expensive. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, I think it's a good looking movie. Yeah. But I mean, like just yeah. in terms of what happens, like you can tell, like, it didn't require the most insane, like, um, budget, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get into our thoughts, I guess, or, uh, or just talk through Mank a little bit. Um, Mank talk. Mank talk. Talking. Mank. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is a movie that I put on my, on my top 10. You know, I don't want to bury the lead here. It's a movie that I, I really love and, uh, the the end quote of the the thing I was just reading with uh, Fincher says something that I I have really come to appreciate about his movies, and I expect will be the case with this one too. Uh, my hope is that any movie I make is more valuable ten years later, fifteen years later than it was its first weekend, and I think that's so fucking cool. That that has such a like I don't know like a, appreciation for what he's making. 
what he's making, if you if you will, uh, where he's Very like, good. I, I I want this movie to kind of feel timeless. It's like you look at a movie like Zodiac or you look at a movie like Social Network and both of those movies have aged insanely well, have only become more well regarded with time. Um, and I kind of think the same thing's going to happen with Mank too, honestly, because uh, it's it's a ridiculously dense movie. Um, and the writing is so goddamn fast and furious that it can just leave you in the dust at times. But, uh, I don't know. What were your, what were your main takeaways from, from Mank? Adam? My main Mankaways? you yeah, you did it. You had to, <laughs> man. I cannot tell you how confused I was <laughs> on this film. Yeah. I was hoping you'd rewatch it. I know I should have rewatched it. Yeah. But I didn't. And, uh, the first time I watched it, I, I didn't, I I couldn't keep up. There was, Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of that, you know, that it's so clever. It's almost too clever (laughs) for its own good. Yeah. You know, cause like the times that I picked up on like the clever line, I was like, huh, that's pretty good. But I had to really pay attention. Yeah. Or there's things that are out of time where I was just kind of like, I couldn't, you yeah, know, or like, a reference that's like, I don't know what that's to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of like a, a it was almost like a, a fever dream, if anything, this movie yeah. that there's just, it's like, I, it, it, when I think about it more, the more that I believe that, I mean, correct me if I'm interpreting the movie wrong, but it's kind of like the movie's jumbled around just like Mank. Yeah. You know, it, 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 like he is a alcoholic mess. Mm-hmm. So is the screenplay. Yeah. But not, I'm not saying that in a way that's like a dig. It was, it, it was, it was perfect, purposeful. You know, it's so, you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to, I want to back up for a second. It's like a postmodern sort of like structuring. De- yeah. Definitely with like the, uh, the screenplay title cards yeah. on the screen, which I really like. I want to back up for a second because I think we've, we're at an interesting moment right now. You and I talking about this where, and I kind of had this thought, watching or rewatching Mank. Um, but you sound exactly like I did on the tenant episode. And I kind of think Fincher and Nolan are two guys that are like completely down to make a fucking insanely dense movie that you simply don't catch everything the first time. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's funny. The it's, roles, the roles have reversed. Yeah, it, it, but it's it's interesting to me because it's like the density is in different areas. You know, it's like Nolan, it's like plot, it's structure, right? Mm. With, with uh, you know, the way that the, the Tenet's insane fucking uh, plot. And then with this movie, it's, it's dialogue, it's timeline also, I guess. But I just think that it's funny how both of them were like, fuck it, I'm, I'm going for, I'm going to put everything in this fucking movie. And, uh, I'm telling, yeah, I'm telling you a, a rewatch of Mank is really, um, I feel like required viewing for sure. Cause everything really settles in place and you kind of like understand what's happening a lot more. Um, but basically I, yeah, I guess I can get into the, the structure of it. Um, 
you basically have Orson Welles, you know, the, the movie opens with the kind of title card of Orson Welles got basically a blank check from RKO pictures to come to Hollywood and basically do whatever the fuck he wanted. And, uh, he could hire whoever he wanted, you know, they'd prefer it be written in six months, but, uh, you know, we'll see. He, he had a ton of flexibility. It's a deal that I don't think anybody has ever gotten since then. Uh, he was 24 years old, which, uh, I know it's insane how young he was. It's, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, he hires Herman Mankiewicz. Mank, I need you for a film. I need you for a film, Mank. What are you doing, Mank? Or does anybody have a better voice than Orson Welles? Orson Welles is in, his voice is so fucking beautiful. It is. insane. This guy, the guy, he's not in a ton of the movie, but this guy really, I think, nailed He he nails Wells. Wells What are you talking about, Mank? I don't think he says that, but it's just great to do an Orson Welles voice. Mank, I need you. Like it's a very like melodramatic masculine voice. Yeah, it's like know? a car. Yeah, well, which is didn't he voice fucking like uh, Megatron or something in yeah, Transformers? He did, that's right? His, that's his last role. I that's think. so fucking yeah. funny. But it makes yeah. sense because he uh, it makes sense uh, <laughs> that he did that. Um, but yeah, so Mankiewicz, Mankiewicz I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Mankiewicz, I guess. Mankiewicz, yeah. Um, gets hired to come in and start writing a script for Orson Welles to make as his directorial debut. He's like hot off scaring the entire country with his uh, War of the Worlds uh, radio play that everybody thought was real. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Mank- Mankiewicz is this guy who um, was like a Hollywood screenwriter, just like for hire guy who would come in, didn't even require credit. He wrote the most important components of the wizard of Oz. He wrote the Kansas sequence, which it didn't have before, but he was like, no, it needs this. So Dorothy, like we care about Dorothy with, you know, when she goes to Oz and he also specified that it had to be black and white for when it jumped over to the color, which is like a pretty ingenious. That's pretty smart. Decision. Pretty clever. That's what makes yeah. the movie magical. Um, and then he wrote, yeah, on dozens of other movies in the twenties and thirties and was just like a go-to guy basically. Um, and you know, he got in a car accident. He like busted his leg. So Orson Welles like sent him to this fucking like cabin, this like nice house to stay in and start writing uh citizen Kane. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you didn't yeah. know that Minkowitz was a co quote, quote unquote co-writer of yeah. Citizen Kane. You, you've been spoiled. You've been. Um, yeah. Yeah. What if, what if this movie played that as a twist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, cause I'm well, going to call this Citizen Kane. He says at the end and we're like, what? <laughs> he wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, I mean, if if we didn't say it before, which I'm pretty sure we did not. Yeah. You should watch Citizen Kane prior to Mank because yeah. it just, it, it wouldn't, it doesn't make any, Mank any sense yeah. if you don't, if you see Mank without watching Citizen Kane. Yeah. It really doesn't. I, because you have to have I that context. You have I don't know to. if you necessarily... I guess you do. You I guess you do. do. Because the whole... Uh, because, the si- because the whole saying... Herman Foster Kane is his name in that. And then in real life, it was... Fuck, what's this guy? It's, it's whatever that... Yeah. 
Yeah. But it's like you like everyone talks, uses the phrase. It's the Citizen Kane of X, Y, Z. Citizen Kane <laughs> of whatever. Yeah. You know, the Citizen Kane of action movies. Like you, people say that like mm-hmm. that's a saying. Yeah. If you don't have any sort of like idea of what Sissy Kane is, then you don't understand the kind of the the gravitas of like what's going on in Mink. Yeah, here. for sure. Because we always think of of Sissy uh, Kane. That's Orson Welles. That's it. True. What, yeah. Like what else is there? We're done. Sissy Kane, Orson Welles. He wrote it, directed it. He did so much shit to change cinema. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important to Minx, um, or even the themes of Mank. Yeah. To have that context of the impact of Citizen Kane on cinema history. It would, it wouldn't make, it wouldn't make any, it It wouldn't make any sense. We're just going to plug that into our daily lives now. It's like, did you, did you say Mank? No, I said, I said Mank. You, okay, so you said make make now. No, I said I said make. So make. Um, you say it really quick, and then you'll never. And know. no one will ever even make. catch it. Uh, Mank's taking over the world. Uh, Mank fever. Um, hashtag Mank fever. Uh, Mank twenty twenty one. Yeah, but um, I think you're right. And and Citizen Kane is a movie that I literally only saw. Uh, well, I guess it would now be last year at the beginning of twenty twenty. When I, I already mentioned it before, when I was on my pre nineteen sixties kick, I was like. Okay, I'm starting with Kane. Kane's going to be the first one because I still haven't starting seen it. Starting with Kane. Starting with Kane, baby. Did you have Raising Canes as you watch this? I, I should have just to <laughs> get a whole vibe going. Uh, I eat candy canes. Okay, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Citizen Kane, skip to Luis figure out the for, figure Oh, out we're the putting it on Luis. Yeah, okay, Luis, Luis. Okay. Luis is our, our sound engineer. <laughs> oh, yeah. We should, I guess, mention that, right? Yeah. We may I want, sound... I wanted to do it organically, so now it's coming in organically. Okay, cool. Yeah, we may sound better now. <laughs> we may. Sound, no. God. Uh, yeah, can't stretch fine. it that yeah. far. Yeah, so let's give a shout out to him. Uh, Luis is doing some audio stuff for us. So we might, we probably sound a lot better than we have in the past. Yeah, so enjoy, en- enjoy. I'm yeah. sure you already are enjoying. Yeah, it would sound nice and crisp. crisp. Oh, that, imagine crisp. how nice that's going to sound. Unless the, the P kind of pops out and it I sounds don't know. bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, Luis, okay. I'm, tra- I'm tracking back the tangent that we went on just now like okay so um oh I'm yeah just, citizen yeah, kane citizen kane great spoilers this is for, great yeah spoilers for citizen kane mm-hmm. what do you how how i wanted to ask you like how surprised were you on the big old the big old twist at the end there the big rosebud twist yeah um i thought was i don't know if i totally understand the twist still Uh, I should have rewatched Citizen Kane before watching Mank, I guess. Yeah. Um, That's why I kept telling you. Yeah. Rosebud. Explain Rosebud, Adam. I agree with you. I just want to check your word. It was his sled. Oh, yeah. It was his fucking sled. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. I I, I knew it was a sled. I saw it at the end, but I was like tracking back from when he was a kid. So he just wanted to go back to like, you know, and think times Mm -hmm. were simpler, which is... Oh, God, I really wish you rewatched Make Adam. I'm sure you remember the scene, though. The scene uh, at the end is a real nice kind of like 
uh, where he gets the inspiration from yeah. real life to uh, get, yeah. It's uh, Charles Foster Kane, hmm. right? But in, in this movie, it's the real life person, William Randolph Hearst, uh, played by the great Charles Dance, but was one of the early uh, newspaper moguls uh, who kind of ran the spread of information in America for, for a period of years there. Uh, who was not happy with this movie. Not, sure. not Mank, he was dead. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Citizen Kane, we should say. Um, and yeah, it was the sled. You've been spoiled. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it wasn't anything else but it's just a simple just ass a simple fucking ass sled. sled. And everyone was going crazy about Rosebud. Yeah. Everybody I mean, wanted to know everything about Citizen Kane. Yeah. Because. Because that is because because of fucking this mysterious rosebud, yeah, and they never found out. Yeah, it's such a great. I love that little like. It uh, is. It is great. I mean the the movie. Um. Yeah. I mean the the movie as as were a lot of the ones I watched that were from the pre nineteen sixties. It was it was really surprising. I was like after I finished it, I was like, yeah, I get, I get it. That was a that was a great movie. My biggest takeaway um was you know as good as the script was was uh really Orson Welles directing honestly because I was like holy shit that felt modern it's like if you you did did the fucking uh Gus Van Sant remake of Psycho Trick on Citizen Kane did you track that comparison you know how Gus Van Sant remade yeah, Psycho shot he, for shot yeah which is the dumbest thing it's it's dumb but he was like world. if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna make it like an experiment it's like cool job Gus um, you mean do no work at all and yeah just do yeah. the exact same fucking thing I guess, I guess so that's probably that's not an experiment yeah. that's just being lazy <laughs> Gus Van <laughs> Gus Van Sant's never been lazy Adam I don't know what you're talking about um <laughs> But, uh, uh, no, but that was my big takeaway is like, if you, if you did a Gus Van Sant on Citizen Kane and reshot it, it would feel just as fucking modern in terms of like his shot composition, the way that he framed and and cut things specifically, like his editing in that movie, Mm. uh, felt so fucking modern. And I was like, when did this come out? 42? Yeah. He just had the novel idea of like, how about we just don't film it like a play <laughs> yeah exactly which is something that it would How about take people- we just put the camera in the actor's face <laughs> instead of just having it this yeah. was so fu- fascinating like like Dude, there are like split diopters in that movie. I remember yeah. clocking that and being like, "How the fuck did they do that in the '40s? Like, that's crazy." Oh, that's just optics. Yeah, just optical tricks. Yeah, as it always was, I guess. But it's like it, it's just funny that things that we take for granted today was just something that you wouldn't even mm-hmm. think about back then. Yeah, for you sure. Know? That's why it was so crazy about Orson Welles. Like he just said, well, why not? Why not put the camera in the roof mm-hmm. and get this kind of like <laughs> aerial shot? You know? It, yeah. It's, he changed it, up the thinking for he sure. He changed up the thinking. Um, yeah. He's one of those guys that, uh, I mean, we, we've talked about it a little bit on the season so far, and we're definitely probably going to talk about it more about, you know, Kurosawa and lean being two guys that almost bridge like a couple different generations of Mm. not only Hollywood, but just filmmaking of, uh, you know, the old school style, the way things were done with black and white all the way through technicolor, all the way to color. And, um, 
And even just the way that they, they shoot things. I know, I know lean really evolved in, you know, from brief encounter to obviously Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, Orson Welles was, was definitely one of those guys too, who kind of did that. And uh, Jesus, like he made movies all the way through to like the eighties. When did he die? The nineties, maybe Orson Welles. He died in the, Late eighties, I think. I, that sounds right. Yeah, but he was making making movies and fucking slamming full bottles of wine up until the the day. Yeah, that he I, I watched um, I watched one of his commercials where he oh, was. Man. Yeah, he um, he had, it was doing a commercial for champagne, and he I might have seen that. Yeah, have you seen that one? I think where, so. Yeah, it's fucking funny because. He literally drinks champagne, not fake champagne, on every take. <laughs> so he gets like progressively like more drunk. Yeah, yeah. You can just see the actors just getting like vis- visibly like uncomfortable. <laughs> but it was like, like Orson Welles. So he didn't want to say shit. You That's know? the thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. He was such a fucking tycoon. He almost in a way became Charles Foster Kane. He did really. Yeah. Or William Randolph Hearst uh, of, of the film industry. Um, I want to point people to something that I would recommend just while we're talking Orson Welles. This is like, even this movie is like kind of tangentially related to him, honestly. Um, but uh, on Netflix, there is a movie called they'll love me when I'm dead. Have you heard about this? No. Yeah, what is it? It is uh Inside the making of his last movie, which they finished, um, I think it was some some producer, some bigwig producer, put the money together to finally finish the movie he was filming when he died, uh, which is The Other Side of the Wind. Uh, it came out a couple years ago. Fucking John Houston is in it. Um, he was filming it like, yeah, like a, a few decades ago when he died. And uh, they paid to to finish it. And I even heard it was like pretty good as a pretty good movie, but they'll love me when I'm dead is a documentary about the making of it, uh, about the kind of fraught relationships that he had with everybody who he was working with. He basically just would like not show up to set mm. on any day that he kind of like didn't feel like it. And everybody yeah. was like, what the fuck is he really was like checked out in the end there. Just like, uh, what was it? You've seen Jordiowski's Dune, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to get Orson Welles in there. That's right. And he wanted him for God. Who was it? Who would, was it the bear? It wasn't the, <laughs> It might have been the dude. I think it was the Baron. <laughs> it has to be because the, the Emperor was fucking uh, Salvador Dali. Yeah, which, which is <laughs> which is amazing, so crazy. And he's gonna he, pay him a million dollars an hour. Yeah, yeah. And he he like specifically like requested like a restaurant or some shit like that, <laughs> like a very specific restaurant because like yeah, because Jodorowsky like absolutely needed like he needed Orson Welles. He had yeah. some sort of like he just it was Baron. Him. God, he would have been good. Fuck, he would have been so good as Baron Harkonnen in that. He movie. needed him, so he like just said whatever to any demand. Like fucking yeah. Orson Welles, and it, Orson Welles was like what fucking three hundred plus at that point or something. Dude, some he shit. was probably like three fifty, <laughs> just like drinking like bottles of liquor a day. Just like eating full plates of spaghetti every hour on the hour. Like he was, yeah, he was, boom, man. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's why you don't peak at 24, huh? <laughs> that is, 
God, that is that is a salient point. <laughs> Truly. Uh, yeah, he like lost his mind. But that's I haven't even seen yeah. the other side of the wind, but I watched They'll Love Me When I'm Dead because there a couple of years ago there was such a it was such a big thing. It was like, holy shit, Orson Welles' final movie is going to finally come out. And I was like, I'm not really interested in that. I'll watch the documentary. Um, it's pretty interesting. But uh, Mank, it's not really about Orson Welles. It really isn't, it's which not. is what surprised me about it. It's it's about a man who named Mank. is named Mank, who is pretty cynical and he's kind of, uh, he's kind of he's kind of an over, asshole. Yeah. He's kind of an asshole. He makes, he fucking gambles and drinks all day long. Yeah. We should mention Gary Oldman is fucking great in this movie. Just having a good fucking time. Gary Oldman, who is how old? He's like, listen, he's a breezy 62. He's a breezy 62. And Mink is how old in this? He's, he's, he's a soft 43. Yeah. No, I'll say, I'll say he's a hard 43. Yeah, a yeah. hard 43 is <laughs> indeed correct. It, it did take me a little. You do have to kind of like check that at the door a little bit to be I mean, like. It, didn't, it yeah. didn't bother me in so much as. His wife is very young. In so she much, looks very young. In so much as. <laughs> That he's a drunkard. Mm. I mean, and yeah. this is like the fifties. I mean, you're going to look like a, you're going to look that, real bad if you've been drinking all your life. Yeah. I and think you've that, been smoking all your life. And I it's think just that's like, yeah, yeah, that was Fincher's defense too, where he was like, look, I'm, I'm in my fifties. Mank drank all the time. Everybody, all of his peers said that he looked like an old man. I think me and Mank look about the same age. I think Gary Oldman looks like a decent 62. So I was like, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Why not? Um, he, he pulled yeah. it. He pulled it off. I, I, wasn't, I think he pulled it off. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, his, his acting, his performance kind of like puts all that to rest. Really? I think, I think he's like, uh, and we should give a shout out to the script by Jack, Jack Fincher. I, I got to get this right. I got to get his fucking dad's name right. Uh, Fincher Senior. <laughs> Fincher Senior. Uh, Jack Fincher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was his dad who wrote the script. And um, I'm sure what what's kind of funny with the, the theme of the movie and everything, I'm sure David Fincher did rewrites and like. Oh, he did. Yeah. yeah. I think he definitely did. But he, it's he cool. Made, he made. Um, he made or. Could be because initially the script was kind yeah, of anti yeah. Orson Welles mm -hmm. and uh, Fincher kind of cut, reduced that down a bit mm -hmm. because like, I, I think it, it'd be, it'd be a little irresponsible to, to be like against Orson Welles, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, I think it also, it's also due to the film critic Pauline Kael wrote this really long essay all about how, uh, Citizen Kane really was a lot more about, um, or it, it really was more driven by Orson Welles. Yeah. And I, I think David Fincher kind of, uh, and even he, he, he wanted said, to be more accurate to the, to the truth of things because mm -hmm. yeah, cause Jack Fincher had based it off of some theory that was written mm -hmm. It was like some, I forgot what it was, but some book yeah. that someone wrote that yeah, yeah. Mankiewicz was the actual like the person, mind behind, the it, mind behind yeah. it. And he was, he was thrusted out due to like Orson Welles being, um, 
you know, ego, ego maniacal. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to bring Mankiewicz back into the picture to kind of, you know, not give Orson Welles all the credit, but apparently mm-hmm. that was, it, it's been refuted. I mean, not completely, but you know, yeah. Orson Welles was like pretty much responsible for, uh, at yeah. least, at least for the writing. It was, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the in the way that like credit arbitration and shit like that happened mm. back then is so interesting and is is like a really important like thematic part of of the movie Mank. But um, I I also think that it was it was important to make the movie about Mank in that like he was the real guy who had the relationship with William Randolph Hearst. He was like the guy who all of the actual shit in Citizen Kane kind of was born from. Mm -hmm. It was either born from his script or him talking with Orson Welles because he was friends uh, with Hearst. And um, and this movie kind of like charts that relationship. Uh, I don't know how accurate the movie is to that. You know, uh, I'm sure the dialogue is all really spiced up from what it was really like. But um, uh, yeah, Mank. I lost my train of thought. What are we talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, we can go into just like what happens in the, in the film and, uh, Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's doing this back and forth timeline thing that I liked a yeah. lot where the, I guess the, the cur- not current day to when we're talking, but the current date of the movie, he's writing Mank. His like leg is up in this, in this, uh, kind of like, uh, you know, this kind of thing to like lift it. Um, cause he injured it in like a car crash, which is is like a whole funny bit. And, uh, and, and then like, while this is happening, while he's like got writer's block, he's like not allowed to drink, which is like really fucking hard for him. And in, in this place trying to write, um, he has like these two ladies watching over him. Uh, one who's from like Germany, the other who's like this young British, British lady who's like boyfriend went off to fight in the war. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And then while this is happening, while he's writing it, uh, it jumps back to kind of like him coming up in not even coming up, but like him in like the thirties in Hollywood, um, of him, you know, interacting Navi- with yeah, William B. Mayer and fucking, uh, navigating the, uh, the maze that is the Hollywood machine yeah. in the quote unquote, I guess, golden age of it yeah irving thalberg louis b mayer it's like yeah when it when i watched this movie for the first time i was like okay these are all guys i've heard of in like interviews with directors from the 70s or something it's like these guys are hollywood legends um but yeah this is all stuff that i really loved um where it's just kind of like mank interacting with these people and it's kind of like showing us the type of guy that Mankiewicz was where it's like, he'll go into a, a pitch meeting, which I love, which it really, I really felt like Fincher's hand in this scene where, uh, I forgot if it's like Louis B. Mayer, which, which head it was, but they call him in to like pitch this monster movie that they want to, oh, that yeah, they want to yeah, get yeah. made. And they're all like coming up with these clever ideas and uh and they're tar- they're trying to target all audiences and yeah find- and then Manx has something really funny where he goes that's director proof and i was like that's such a funny line to like it, yeah for a guy like fincher to put into his movie um it seems like it's like self-effacing this movie it's like i he, think definitely he, he, yeah he wanted to it, again i'm glad that you brought up the whole like auteur thing at the beginning because mm-hmm. i think 
maybe Fincher has sort of this identity thing where he doesn't want to take all the credit for his movies, but yet he he has to realize that he's a perfectionist and and he, he, it's like this constant we're finding this kind of meta sort of narrative within Fincher's career. It's that sort of struggle between mm-hmm. the auteur auteurness and uh, giving giving up to commercialism and um, yeah and your crew. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. I, I wonder. I bet he kind of views. I, I don't mean to put this like ego trip on him, but I wonder if he has viewed himself in the past as like. Man, I'm kind of getting the the Orson Welles treatment here. Yeah, but everybody loves. There's me always a bank. Yeah, and and I think that's kind of why he wanted to make make this movie. It's like a love letter to like the writers. Yeah, in a way mm-hmm. that never really get their recognition. Yeah, because it's like I mean, it's so funny because our podcast is literally called Director Showdown. It's not Writer <laughs> Showdown. You know, we we put <laughs> yeah. we put like yeah. the directors on that are on a pedestal. pedestal. Yeah more so than the writers. And I feel like that's the whole theme of the movie is just like, let's, let's give credit when credit is due to Mank. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I also love his arc in the movie, which is something that, you know, the, the movie posits is the kind of like uh, heart of citizen Kane, but I love his arc of kind of uh, the man who stands for nothing and who's cynical to the system who decides like, no, I have to stand up to something like I, I, like I have a line somewhere and this is where it is, which is when the, which is when the movie is getting into the more political stuff, which on first watch the first hour of the movie is the stuff that I loved in the second half. I was like, okay, he's, he's saying something here and it's all happening very fast. I'm not sure I can fully track it. And on the second time, the second half is where I think this movie really gets like special where you have Mank, this guy who he doesn't even need credit. He's just like fucking right. Like cut me a check. That's all I need. So I can like buy my booze and whatever this job is. We're fucking writing pictures. Who gives a shit about this? The magic of movies. He's very flippant about it. Yeah. You know, like throughout the movie. And uh, I love that the arc of the movie is him realizing that movies are important where it's like, he's very kind of cynical about the process and everything. And by the end, when he sees his studio making uh, propaganda, propaganda, essentially mm-hmm. um, being like fed funds or feeding funds to like the Republican party and all this stuff. And uh, fucking Upton Sinclair, Bill Nye will have a little Bill Nye, the science guy corner. In a Dude, sec. I couldn't, I was like, <laughs> I had to do a, a, Double take. Yeah. I was like, is that Bill Nye? Huh, that sounds like Bill Nye. Huh, that looks like Bill Nye. What the fuck? That's Bill, Bill Nye. Nye as Upton Sinclair talking about as socialism. Upton Sinclair. That's so weird. Um, this does take place inside the There Will Be Blood universe, we should say. Um, didn't he write <laughs> oil? That was him, right? Upton Sinclair did write oil, and he also wrote The Jungle, the jungle right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, but I, I love that that arc is also... That's the thing that I really stuck with uh, this viewing of it is it's like a guy who is cynical about things, but, but you know, about making movies and is kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll write on this thing. Uh, 
until he wrote Citizen Kane and he's like, no, I, I said something with this. I, I think this, that movies can say something, not that they always should, but that they can, and that that can be a really special thing. So I want my fucking credit, you know? And, uh, I think that's really great. I really love that. I really love that like aspect of, uh, Mank on this viewing. No, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I like that you brought that up. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's talking about like governor races in California and stuff like that. And your, your eyes can kind of glaze over, but I think, um, a lot of that stuff is really saying something cool. Well, what do you, what, what is your take on the Amanda Seyfried relationship with Mank? Um, see, as it pertains to Citizen Kane, I'm not sure. My memory is not good enough to remember that far back. But as far as Mank's relationship with her, uh, I feel like his wife kind of sums up in the end, like, you know, I forgive your drinking to like your suicidal drinking and your platonic female relationships and stuff like that. Like, or she words it in a much more clever way. Um, no, the actress, because Amanda Seyfried is the Oh, actress. Amanda Seyfried. Oh, you're yeah. talking about like her performance. It, I think she's great. No, I mean, what was her character's purpose? <laughs> um, uh, let me think. It was almost like she was, she was there to kind of give Mink a sort of like naive, naive but hopeful sort of yeah. thing about the whole Hollywood system, I guess. I think so too. Cause like, uh, yeah, with, like at the end of their final discussion, cause there's this whole thing near the end where he's like, I'm really worried about her reading it. Hmm. Uh, he's really, he's like, I didn't base this on her, this character, you know? Um, cause I think in the movie she's, yeah, she's like working at a bar and she's like an alcoholic and she like left, um, Charles Foster Kane. And it's, it's really tragic in the, in the movie from Mm. my recollection, but, um, yeah, it's, it seemed like he was really worried about that, but that, um, his main takeaway with her was like what she represents to a guy like Charles Foster Kane was what was important, I guess. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, I mean, as far as her in Mank, um, yeah, I don't know. It, because they have a discussion near the end where she's talking about because they have that really be, tra- they have the really charming like their little luncheon. When yeah, they have a really char- charming scene where Mink is just like out in the courtyard and they're talking and it's really cute. And mm-hmm. I don't really remember what they were talking about, but I really love that scene and everything yeah. about it. That's yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Where they take the bottle out and they're just like, Oh, you're talking yeah. about, Oh, you're talking about kind of when they meet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's him kind of like being the cynic about Hollywood and being like, you know, like, what are, what are we doing? Like you're, you're married to, jeez, oh, I can't fucking remember, man. Honestly, that scene, that's, mm-hmm. that's the scene I watched in the first half, like a month or two ago. And then I finished the second half tonight. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I really like their relationship. She seems kind of, I don't know. Her character is really interesting because she clearly loves or loved William Randolph Hearst. And she like, wasn't 
say she wasn't just in it for the money. There's like a nice scene that they have near the end when they're talking about his script where she's like, you know, I think in the, at the beginning I was in it for the money and, and, mm. but now I really do love him. And, and like, nobody understands me. Nobody's seen me, uh, truly like he has. Um, so it's almost, you know what, you know what it is? I think I pieced it together, workshop and alive here. Yeah. I almost feel like she is, the insight that Mank needed to like see the heart of child of Charles Foster Kane. Yeah. Of William Randolph Hearst or whatever, because it's easy to see this like newspaper magnate as Some the soulless yeah. guy. And in a lot of ways he, you know, attributed to a lot of terrible shit, but it's like, I think that, that her relationship with Mank was kind of what he needed to put heart into that character. Well, cause you need it. Cause everyone's so fucking complex. Yeah, exactly. You can't just, and they are in this movie for up. sure yeah, too. For yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Like I, I love the scene. Um, just like Mank himself is not just some drunkard bastard. He has some morals yeah. in there. Exactly. I, you know, that's the scene I was just going to mention with, uh, when the younger, um, I guess made or what would she be called? Uh, just the lady helping out at the house while he's writing Citizen the Kane. The Jewish um, lady, yeah. Or the other one, the one whose boyfriend's in the war. She's going to like report on his drinking because mm. the other, the the Jewish, uh, you know. Jewish German woman won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she's like, no, we he can't drink. That's Air Mank. Air Mank. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then so she, you know, the, the Jewish uh, German ladies in there like putting the, the liquor into his medicine bottles mm. so he can be sneaky about it. And then she walks in like, what are you doing? And he's like, let me tell you what happened. And this really happened, which is fucking cool. Mank was a real fucking real mensch in real life. Um, he yeah, he really did like pay for entire villages of Jews to like escape Germany during World War Two. And that, that's what she tells the other house guests, the, you know, the maid. And she's like, okay, we'll let him drink, whatever. He's, he's a good guy, whatever, whatever he wants. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's a good guy. Um, but yeah, he would never like admit that himself. Cause he's kind of, he's kind of a jaded yeah. asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> with, a dr- with a heart drunk, gold jaded man. asshole. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure. but, but he uh, does, I mean, it shows like, you know, it's a that complexity thing. Mm-hmm. He does care about people. He, mm-hmm. but he also, is cynical. Yeah, exactly. Which is the, the, you know, the duality of man, as we all have seen in, in, uh, films such as Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's what's so great about, yeah, Mank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewatch fucking Citizen Kane now this week, I think, uh, just with the context, because I, I really do love that final scene. It's so fucking, good and Oldman is so like electrifying mm-hmm. when he like walks into their dance hall not their dance hall they're like dining room they're having this big fucking just luxurious supper and he's just he just Man, shit that's faced. the best best scene that's like the yeah. Oscar performance right that's there. the clip that's gonna that's be Oldman's clip, clip right for there. your consideration at the bottom <laughs> yeah exactly and it's it's uh it's so good because he enters that scene and he's so jaded about uh, about Hollywood. This is literally right after, right after Upton Sinclair lost to the Republican incumbent. There's a, there's a whole great scene during that oh, the, election night. That that whole film sequence was amazing. Just like the yeah. drunken like uh, oh of election night. Or yeah, uh, yeah. On how like blurry everything was, and he just kept drinking. 
Yeah, yeah. I love this. Like, what I remember is, like, there's that big champagne bottle on the table. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, what, what was everyone else going to have? Well, yeah, what will everybody, everybody else have? That's I love that scene, too, because there's some nuance in that scene where when they're walking into the party, his wife says... Now, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Oh, yeah. And then he's just fucking it's, quiet yeah. through like the whole thing until the mm. wine gets there. And he's like, well, let me get this fucking bottle of wine. And now we're off to the races. Like it's, it's a really good little character moment. But yeah, the the end is, is really excellent because Upton Sinclair just lost. He just witnessed like all of his, you know, all of his bosses basically try to like shove him into donating to the Republican to get on the party line because it's, it's going to help them out financially, all this stuff. And, uh, this is like post depression, which is a really important, I guess, like, you know, thing to the era for sure. Um, and then, yeah. And he's very drunk. He's, he's very kind of like sad about how that all worked out. And he goes to, yeah, William Randolph Hearst's house and just has this whole fucking scene where he's, it's, it's the fucking Wikipedia from citizen Kane. He's laying it all out. Yeah. He's talking about how, you know, like let's imagine if, and then he starts talking about William Randolph Hearst and he's essentially writing citizen Kane. He's listen, he's workshopping alive. Like we all are. Yeah. He's, he's workshopping citizen Kane live. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's his Oscar clip scene. It's really great. Yeah. They're all dressed up in their, uh, Oh, the, it's the, a costume party. That's right. Yeah. And it, it couldn't be better than the, what is it like regal, like regal old British regal royalty? Yeah. Costume. And he couldn't, <laughs> couldn't have chosen a better costume. Content. Yeah. Exactly. It's like a Royal. Yeah. Like a Royal uh, banquet or something. Mm. Um, and he just fucking goes off. I mean, it's, it's, it's brutal. He just fucking like crucifies everybody. And um, then he gets really sad though, where it was kind of like, yeah, yeah. maybe he should stop. It got to a point where I was just like, man. Oh, is, well, it's, yeah, yeah, it got it's real bad. There's yeah. the seat. Yeah. Where he kind of like fully. T- yeah. Where everybody starts slowly leaving. Like and then it's. Yeah. And then he just he. God, it's it's like accentuated in a really great way where he says something like, and that's the story of William Randolph Hearst. And then he yeah. like vomits. And I just love that little like mm. moment right there. Yeah, and then he gets walked out by Charles Dance's William Randolph Hearst, and he hears the tale of the organ grinder's monkey, uh, which is just another little moment that kind of like sums out what the whole movie's about, that sums up what the whole movie's about. Basically, there's this guy who takes his monkey out into the town every night, and uh, just, I'm not going to do it justice, just watch the movie. Um, But yeah, it like really underlines kind of like the role of these guys like Mank who are kind of like the cogs in a machine and what happens when the the cog decides to to fight back I guess that's kind of what or get is. really drunk or get really drunk <laughs> kind of make a point kind of mank a point mm. and then get really drunk and get walked out of a rich man's house but hey that's why you need a guy like Orson Welles to kind of come in and clean it up a clean little bit up, make sure he uh <laughs> Put a nice coat of paint on it. Exactly. Yeah, but but sometimes you need a messy bitch to, like Herman Mankiewicz. <laughs> hey, you, 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 the yin, yin and yang, you know what I mean? Yin and yang, baby. That's what, that's what, that's what it's all about. Sometimes you got to shock the system <laughs> to make the system better, right? Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. And then the, the ending's pretty great where you have uh, they're kind of again, you have the little like the fraught relationship between them where like Orson Welles getting congratulated for his Oscar Mm. gives a little snide remark about Mank and then Mank gives a snide remark about Orson Welles and it's, you know, he holds it up and it's like he died 11 years later and it's like, Oh yeah, I was like, fuck (laughs) it really leaves you like he died due to alcoholism and it's like, well, we saw that coming, I guess I I do just to like dive into a little bit more of the propaganda stuff. (laughs) It, It was so, comical almost how like heavy they hit the propaganda and how they were like, Hey, only half of them are actors. And, uh, and then you have the the (laughs) guy talking about, well, I'm voting for comrade Upton because back in Russia and it's just like, man, can you imagine like that happening today? Yeah. Jesus Christ. That'd be insane. Um, but I mean, it basically is happening today in just different ways. That is true. I guess that is very true. Um, but yeah, the guy who there's kind of a tragic little story inside this whole little political part of the movie where you have his friend who's like an editor who got to direct these, um, what are essentially propaganda ad campaigns. Who's like, well, they let me direct them. Uh, um, and, uh, I'm trying to like quote the funny ass lines. Cause it's like all the dialogue is so great. Um, but, uh, yeah, he like finally got his chance to direct. And then that comes back to bite him in the ass when, uh, Sinclair loses. And he's like, Upton Sinclair said that the, that the ad, you know, that the propaganda ads are the reason that he lost and it's all my fault. And then there's this little, you know, <laughs> thing that plays out with, uh, him and a gun and he tells Mank that he has Parkinson's and then he ultimately kills himself. Yeah. That's pretty fucking. Yeah. That's brutal. It's, it's a bummer, man. And yeah. it's like that. I think I should have mentioned that before I went through the whole kind of like, um, his change as a man where he kind of changes, you know, he like mm. is ultimately like, I know I need to stand up for something. Like I, I need to at least take credit for me talking about fucking, you know, William Randolph Hearst here. And uh, we should probably mention a little bit of the aftermath of Citizen Kane. What is essential? What could be, you know, Mank 2. Mank 2. <laughs> the fallout of Mank. Um, the rise of Mank. R- yeah. The r- <laughs> God damn it. Um, but yeah, it's RKO Pictures couldn't show this movie anywhere because of William Randolph Hearst. It was a fucking dud at the box office. Um, yeah. I mean, Randolph Hearst like, literally wouldn't let, he tried to kill it. Yeah. They w- he wouldn't let his publications write the words citizen Kane or even speak about it. Um, they wouldn't let it screen in theaters. I mean, this is back in the era where a guy like Hearst had an insane influence over, mm. over just the entire landscape. Um, but, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, he writing Citizen Kane really fucked him. Like the, like the end of Mank says he didn't write basically another movie after another original movie after this. Um, and then he just died. <laughs> so, but Hey, he got his Oscar. Hey, he got his Oscar, baby. That's all it counts. He shared Mank it with did it. Hashtag Mank did it. Hashtag Mank did it. Hey, hashtag thank Mank. Thank Mank. <laughs> thank and Mank. you know what? Just as a treat, yell Mank again right now. 
Mank. Mank. That and, one's uh, for you, Mank. <laughs> pouring out for Mank. Um, and yeah, I don't know, man. That's, that's, uh, we can do final thoughts or. Yeah, 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 yeah. On Mank. Yeah. I'll, I'll go first. Okay. Um, definitely talking about it, you know, made me appreciate it more. The first time I watched it, I, you know, it was kind of confusing for me, but it's a lot. It's dense. I'm it's telling you, it's like tenant. Fuck, but I don't know if it's like tenant, tenant <laughs> at all, but I know what you mean. It's dense. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I kind of got what, I, I kind of got what the themes were the first time around, like, you know, political landscaping and mm-hmm. the Hollywood machine. And, uh, the little, the, the guy who doesn't get the recognition, um, for their art in something that is so complex, such as film, you know, like Mm -hmm. with paint, with painting, like artistry and writing books and stuff, that's all pretty easy. You can just say, Hey, it's this, this person. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. movies, it's like. We can't just say it's this person. We say, you know, it's a director and make it the, make it real easy. <laughs> Try to you simplify know? it. Yeah. So it's like a nice love letter to, uh, to the writers, to the yeah. writers out there, the writers out there, because the they Manx. do get fucked. They do hardcore. Yeah. In Hollywood. Arbitration. 100%. I think for credits is still, I yeah. think a fucking mess to this day. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, we all, we all saw what happened to Quinn Tarantino's, natural born killers script man i need to watch that movie no you don't <laughs> i don't okay oliver stone sucks you hear me oliver stone oliver stone can suck oliver a lemon. stone <laughs> you're you are very odd yeah <laughs> it's like, it's what like, the, yeah i feel like everybody can agree on that Kind of a weirdo. How many movies about presidents do you want to make you fucking weird guy? Yeah, and I don't know what you're trying to say about it, about anything in all of them. Yeah, I I watched half of JFK recently. I do want to finish it because I was I liked what I was watching. It's it's an entertaining movie, but I was like, I kind I don't understand what he's getting at. And maybe I will. Was always just like, all right, there's something going on here. All right, but yeah. I I don't know what it is, uh-huh. but I'm gonna suggest that I do. Yeah, but you decide what it. Yeah, kind of like, like uh, Oliver Stone is. <laughs> kind of like a yeah, create your own movie with the ingredients. Because like I W's kind of like you know Bush, he's a complex guy like all of us. Yeah, but I don't know what I'm trying to tell you about. <laughs> He, he was pretty decided on Shaney. Shaney was definitely a, a villain of that movie. In I mean, a real it's life, kind of, I guess. It's I mean, kind of hard to deny Shaney. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I have nothing but neutral thoughts on W George W. Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Very neutral because Increasingly the, bar, neutral. the bar has been yeah. set. Hey. Hey. And that's all that's all I'll say about, about that. <laughs> Just like uh, Forrest Gump. That's all I've got to say about that. Um, listen, all I've got to say about Mank is uh, it's a really great movie that I, I honestly, in five to ten years, like Fincher said, I can honestly see it being alongside Zodiac and Social Network as a movie that is is very dense. Uh, I just, but as you, sorry, yeah, no, no, no. I just, I, I would put this. Remember when I used to do a grading scale? 
Yeah, yeah. Or like a difficulty scale. Mm-hmm. I'd put this on like a medium thing. You can't you can't just watch Mank if you it's not a ca- it's not a casual like for everybody sort of thing. I can see that. That makes I, sense. I just don't yeah. see someone who casually watches movies enjoying Mank. That is you that know, is you yeah. can't ju- yeah. You have to be somewhat aware of filmmaking and uh yeah kind of the background of hollywood to have any sort of mm-hmm. enjoyment of it. i i yeah i agree with you there that was definitely a criticism i think that people gave it to when it came out kind of is exclusivity. like exclusivity yeah. like li- hey listen critics we all love this huh like i don't know yeah. if everybody else is gonna love this and uh i don't know i'd be interested to to hey guys if you have listeners if joe, you saw joe six, yeah joe, joe six pack <laughs> hey joe six dad sit, sit down with your father and watch and Mank watch make and just kind of see, see <laughs> yeah just kind of gauge the gauge the temperature <laughs> there uh because i would be really interested to see yeah because it's it's a really dense movie um, it kind of throws you into the deep end of Hollywood, uh, which I, as a, as a movie lover, as a, as a guy who, you know, as you all know, as a, as loves a Hollywood self-identified yeah. gendered yeah. movie lover. Yeah. Movie, a Hollywood, uh, put it in, in big lights there. Hollywood movie lover. I love every fucking movie that takes place in Hollywood. Like that's your sexual like mm. identification. It's yeah. It's just lover. like yours are, you know. Movies that fuck with structure and time. Yes. And science. Uh, mine is like, put that motherfucker in Hollywood. Cha-ching, baby. I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I really like this movie a lot. It's incredibly witty and only gets funnier the more you see it, honestly, because like every line is a goddamn... It's like watching 30 Rock for two hours almost. No, oh, I don't man. know if you've seen much 30 Rock, no, but that, that show in its prime was like... I can't even keep up with the fucking like clever writing here. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, Arrested Development's kind of like, yeah, Arrested Development's like that too. Um, but it's too many zingers. Chill out with the zingers. (laughs) A lot of zingers, uh, a lot of like really fun, clever little like digs and nods and, uh, things to, to Hollywood of the era. Um, and I I just love when a director gets to make their Hollywood movie. Like I, I think of like hail Caesar, uh, I think of like Tarantino's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I love when a director gets to like turn around, face the structure that they've been playing in for like 10, 20 years and like make a movie about that. I think that's always really cool to see. I wonder what Nolan's Hollywood movie would be. You know what? I can't fucking I wait can't to fucking see him wait. do whatever that is whatever if he that, did. If he did. Yeah. That would be so fucking weird to see. Um, <laughs> a guy like time traveling around Hollywood eras. But he's like in it's like a last a last action hero type thing where he's like time traveling to different movies in different eras. Or he's like he's not time traveling, but movie traveling. Yeah, exactly. He's he's going into different movies. But it'd have to be smarter for him. It has to, make to be it. smarter. Yeah. He'd, he'd have to be saying something There's some else. physics shit going on there. Got to get get Jonathan involved. Fucking get him on the line. Start writing. Get, get that. Make that motherfucker complicated. Yeah. Um, Fuck me up, Daddy Nolan. <laughs> get get Adam to bust his charts out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> make Excel, Excel bring bring up his science textbooks yeah. like we did like eight times on the Tenet episode. Oh, yeah. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, it's an era I love. Uh, all the performances are really great. Uh, Oldman is. This is like maybe my favorite Oldman performance. You mean you mean 
I think it him is. as Winston Churchill. He's good in that, uh, but god damn is he a cartoon in that movie. <laughs> He's good in that. We will fight the... I we fought the deceased. We fought the... That's just Michael Caine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking a whiskey, smoking a cigar. Yeah, that's Michael Caine. Yeah, that's Michael Caine. Uh, I'm Michael Caine. I'm Michael Caine. I'm Winston Churchill. If he he should have been Winston Churchill. He's got he had to have been <laughs> at like some point in the nineties. He did a Churchill mini series on PBS. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean it's 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 really it's really great. I I love that like you're just getting thrown into kind of like the kind you know the kind of. Uh, life of a Hollywood writer in the thirties for the first half. And then in the second half, you're kind of like witnessing the kind of, uh, I don't know, it kind of turns from optimist to cyn- like cynical, you know, the side in the, in the second half, which I like a lot with, um, kind of seeing the encroaching politics of both the state government, but also Hollywood itself and how political all that shit is. Um, I really liked all that. Uh, and also, Fincher making it really felt like him trying to, like you said, be self-effacing and like come to terms with the fact that there are many people involved in a movie and that he's not an auteur and that um, there are a lot of moving parts and they deserve credit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, that's very, that was a very good judgment of the film. Mank. If Mank. you were to, Say this is a a food dish, a dish oh, of food. Oh boy, I love this segment. I can't yeah. get over it. What, what would what would what would David Fincher be serving up hmm. for you? I think it's important who the chef is here. The chef is. I can't try to pull like I don't know anything. I don't know any fucking modern. Chefs. There, there's the there's Ramsey there, David Ramsey. Gordon Ramsay. Gordon, d- d- it's so funny how you always nail the last d- names. D- and the first names are always name like, I'll toss do. in a Bill or a George. Or- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Mr. Ramsey. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but no, what what I think I was going to go in the direction of is, uh, it's like you have this like hot new chef, you know, a, a modern chef who who wants to, to kind of like rework a classic dish. You know, there's a classic dish that everybody knows and loves. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe uh, ratatouille or something. That's so weird. I was going to say that. Ratatouille? Yeah, ratatouille. Maybe because it was just like we're thinking know. of ratatouille. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, ratatouille. Why not? It's it's ratatouille. It's uh, But I also don't want to like now just recite the entire plot of the movie ratatouille because this kind of happens in ratatouille. Why not? Uh, but fuck it. Yeah. Uh, David Fincher is Remy the rat in Ratatouille. Yeah. He said, you know what? There's this classic dish everybody knows and loves. And I'm going to I'm going to rework it and I'm going to give them what they want. But I'm also going to add a little modern twist to it. That's all I got. I think I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of and coming let up, me just yeah. pour a fuck ton of alcohol over it. Yeah, just pour gin. Just drench, drench, <laughs> drench that shit with gin. Yeah, and then and then when you carry the gin covered ratatouille out to your patrons, say, 
See, this is a commentary on the classic Ratatouille. Yes. And they're like, wow, this this is very confusing. <laughs> Adam says that. And Brent says, I like this a lot. It's know. good. <laughs> it's there's it's dense. Listen, it's dense. It's it's a very dense Ratatouille. Oh, the boy. You take, a good performance. Bite, you take one bite and it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> But, but it it's not classical. bad. Yeah. It's not bad. It tastes, it's just a lot. It's very rich. Yeah. That's the best. It's thing. very rich. Very, it's very rich. rich. Um, yeah, I think that's it for Mank. That's it for Mank. Good movie, good app. Um, go yeah. watch it if you haven't. If you haven't seen either of them, I would recommend Citizen Kane, Mank, Double Feature. Yeah. Uh, HBO, Netflix, I think have both of them. So... Do that. Yeah, I'm going to rewatch Citizen Kane, I think, uh, next week. I think I'm going to give myself that challenge and uh, just give give myself more context for Mank, which is kind of backwards way of doing it. But, uh, you know, fuck it. Fuck it. You can't, I mean, there, you can't go wrong with watching Citizen Kane again anyway. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's listen. Citizen I'm, Kane of Citizen Kane. I'm making my own rules here. <laughs> I, I imagined you with, like, a backwards cap and, like, crossing your arms. <laughs> Hey, I make my own rules. Whilst whilst being drunk. Yeah, while drinking a gin. Yeah. Complaining about Upton Sinclair losing the the <laughs> governor race in California. I still, I, I didn't even know he like ran for. I didn't either until I watched uh, this movie and I was like, yeah. wow. Hmm. Huh. Oh, Bill Nye's good as Upton Sinclair in his little cameo scene. I mean, I he say. wasn't. He just said some <laughs> words. I mean, I'll be totally he was real. Just, yeah, with you. no, he was just Bill Nye. Yeah, he was just yeah. saying shit. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, it's okay. so weird. It's they only show the side of his face. They're yeah, like, they didn't want to make it like Bill, oh, Bill, oh, Bill, Bill, you know, like a fucking eye wink. At Upton, the, Upton, Upton, yeah. Upton. Little Bill Nye, Upton, the socialist guy. <laughs> Upton, the socialist Upton guy. Upton, the jungle guy. Oil, oil, oil. <laughs> What a stupid fucking joke. Hey, All it's right, pretty this, good. I liked it. This this has been Director Showdown. This has been. Um, thank, thank you guys. Yeah, thank you for listening. For listening to this episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed Mank. Um, hope you are enjoying. Hey, it's uh, 2021. Hope uh, hope everything's it? going good for you so far. It's been a little rocky start, but guess what? It's all gonna. It's all a pill from here. I think. And uh, it's definitely yeah. a hill. That's for sure. It's a hill, and we're all on it. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Whether you're going up or you're going down, you're on the fucking hill. Hey, we're we're make we're making it. What did? Hey, we're making our it, way downtown. Our, <laughs> something fast. Making something something, and I'm homebound. All right. You millennials don't. I mean, no, you Gen Zers don't know that song. It's well, they will because it's going to be at the end of this. Episode. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Uh, make, and I'm going to sub in Mank. You better put that in. Luis? Luis yeah. can take care of that. Okay, I'm Luis like tasking in, him. of like these I figured insane. I was going to be the one doing those edits, but I mean, I mean if he wants to do fine with me, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about it. But it's like we have so much power right now. Hey, you know what's kind of funny? What? Me and Luis going to get ourselves into a little Orson Welles, Herman Mankiewicz situation, I think. Oh, really? Who's going to get the credit? Over who's 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 at who's edit is the final edit. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's gonna get messy. And you know, who knows? 
Who knows? <laughs> I, was trying, I was trying to think of something clever and it, nothing just it was, it was a real out. like, I'm going to come up with something. Yeah. Like I had something, but nothing happened. Yeah. Maybe I'll just cut all that out and just leave like a 15 set. People can fill in their own response. <laughs> just kind of don't make up their own thing. Um, oh God. But thanks so much for listening, guys. Listen to the other Delphin pod shows mm-hmm. uh, there. Oh yeah. By the time you guys. He- no, wait, I'm getting the timelines mixed here. Oh, uh, go subscribe to countdown to Skywalker. There's going to be a uh, light of the Jedi high Republic book club starting there that I'm going to be on. It's going to be fun. Uh, getting reading some star Wars books. Uh, Adam's going to be uh, on every episode of that as well. What? No, I'm just <laughs> I don't want Adam to kill himself. I'm just, I'm just not one of those. I'm just not one of the star Wars guys. <laughs> I, I do. You, well, you've got, you've got better and more important books to read than goddamn light of the Jedi. Um, <laughs> I can't believe there's so many books of star Wars. There's hey, hey, it's a whole new era, man. Um, but uh that's gonna be starting on February first. Uh, but there's a little trailer that we recorded where we uh recorded some of our hopes and thoughts and stuff like that. And um, feelings. And and feelings. There were some feelings, uh for sure. And uh I'm trying to think what else. I mean the you know, Delphin Pods, uh the Marvel show. The what Marvel is, show, Jesus Christ, man, we're, um, we're I, sorry. What a bad, but they're going to kick us off the like, fucking Yeah, network. we just joined the Delphin Pod it's Network. The Marvel show, Countdown to Infinity, <laughs> the for Christ's sake. The Marvel show. I knew that. I just wanted to milk it up. You wanted like, to throw me under the goddamn bus. Yeah, the, the, yeah you know, the Marvel show. The Marvel show. Where they talk about uh, Marvel <laughs> stuff on there. Uh, they're going to be uh, covering WandaVision, and I think uh, WandaVision... I think that first step will probably be out, if not already, then pretty soon. Is the Revenge of the Sequel? Uh, Revenge of the Sequel. Yeah. I think the the last episode that they probably got out by now is our, our National Treasure 2 episode. <laughs> Which I'm sure you yeah. should listen to. You should listen to. Some important... Stuff, yeah. To listen, I'll I'll plug it here. The lore of Director Showdown is embedded is embedded inside the clue that is National Treasure <laughs> Two. So go listen to the it. clue to the Director Showdown treasure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Is there? If there is one, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you'll have to you'll have to go listen to that episode yeah might come back to uh haunt future adam and brent on director showdown <laughs> i'm sure future episodes uh but uh yeah uh, just go listen to the delphin pod shows listen to cover stories as well uh we got anything else adam no um just stay safe um we're almost there guys oh, we're so close we're so close Stick it out. Don't do anything stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and be cool to one another mm-hmm. because we only got one life and everyone's life is complex. So just chill out. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, just chill. Hey, 20, you know what? 2021. Just chill out. Everybody just chill. Let's fucking, yeah. let's fucking get let's that, that trend in. <laughs> Just chill out. Just 2021. Chill. Just chill out. It's going to be all right. Uh, Find someone you disagree with. And, you know, maybe give maybe hug. have a give him a hug. Yeah. Buy him a Pepsi. Yeah. Buy him like that. <laughs>
It, it works like for Kylie, Kendall Jenner. Yeah. can work for us. Yeah, um, for sure. but uh, yeah, I think next week or soon we're going to be talking uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai. We're going to be back at Lean and Kurosawa. So mm-hmm. get stoked for that and uh, tell your friends about the show. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces pass, and I'm homebound. of you and I wonder if